Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. If you would join with me in your Bible or the Pew Bible in front of you, our text today comes from Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 16, verses 24 through 25. Hear now the reading of the word. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any wish to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O Lord, we gather this morning to praise your name. We gather this morning to stand on holy ground in your presence. Speak, O Lord, for your people are listening. And speak, O Lord, in ways that your words would be anchored deep within our hearts so that we would leave this time together, this time in community with each other, this time in worship with you, not as mere hearers of your words, but as doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. If you read the Financial Times or the Wall Street Journal or even the Winston-Salem Journal or watch anything on TV news, there's an awful lot of information coming our way about the economy and about jobs. And as I've been thinking about that, as we're being bombarded with all of this and what's going on in the job and the labor market and everything else, I got thinking about some of the toughest jobs that are out there. And I got thinking about this, and I think the toughest jobs, I mean, there's some that are physically demanding, but I think that some of the toughest jobs are these. Cashiers, wait staff and bartenders in restaurants, gate agents at the airport, bank tellers, the baggers in the checkout line at the grocery store and other places, and anyone whose title includes customer service representative. So nothing against any of the others, but I think these are the toughest. And so I'm just curious, by a show of hands, how many of you have held a job similar to one of these? Just raise your hand if you've done that. A good number of you. I did this at 9 o'clock, and there were about 99 people at 9 o'clock, and almost 99 hands went up. And say, so what I think makes these jobs tough is admittedly that they are lower-paying jobs. Often they are doing a thankless task. They involve serving people who, let's be really clear, are not always on their best behavior. 
They are the constant face of the organization, even when maybe they are tired and cranky and don't want to be. They are still front and center. And often they deal with people on the worst day of their lives or when things have gone bump and are looking for a solution. I think we can agree that these are why these jobs are tough, but there's also something about these jobs that makes them great jobs. You learn to connect and interact with people. You learn to build relationships. You have the power in these jobs to make people's day. I mean, sometimes it's just with a smile and a pleasant word. Sometimes it's creative problem solving, making things work out. I think what makes these jobs great is this idea when you do something for someone else that makes their day, you feel better, but that person walks away feeling better as well. And when I think of these jobs and many others like them, those that we might call the service industry jobs, I'm reminded of a phrase that Jim Sifford, who was a member here until he passed away and joined the church triumphant a few years ago at the, nine o'clock, or the 10 o'clock service, he said, right down here to my right. A phrase that he taught his children, look for the helpers. They are always there. Look for the helpers. So the past couple of weeks, we have been studying this idea of practices for faithful living, fruitful practices for faithful living. Things like receiving God's love, this idea of being radically hospitable to God, letting God into our hearts. Or showing love to God, passionate worship, what we do in this place. Or growing in grace, this idea of intentional discipleship, intentional faith formation. So it stands to reason as as we sort of become this dawning of, of God's love for us and us showing love back to God and growing in grace that maybe as we are becoming stronger in our faith, that surely we're not to hold it for ourselves. Surely we're not to hide it under a bush. Oh no. Surely we're supposed to do something with it. Surely there's some outward invisible sign of all that is growing within us, all this faith that we are developing inside. This idea of faith in action is defined as serving and loving others. What we might say is risk-taking, missions and service. Or as I've said oftentimes, being not just hearers of the word, but doers. Or being the hands and feet. Or as Jim Sifford said, being a helper. Now if we're honest with ourselves, this idea of service, sometimes we, we like the idea, but we sort of have a, a very selfish look at it. We're wired or conditioned by society to think of ourselves first, to be very selfish about it. It's, we're geared to self-preservation. We'll do unto others, but only after me first. Or my security and comfort comes before my charity. Or looking out for number one. Or if given the choice of making the world a better place, or making a better place in the world for ourselves, what might we do? I like that question. Would you choose to make the world a better place, or would you first secure a better place for yourself in the world? Maybe that's why CEO pay has grown from 1965. It was 20 to 1. The CEOs made 20 times what the average worker made, and now in 2022, it's 399 times. 
securing a place for ourselves first. See, we've got that backwards. I mean, what would it look like if instead of running our pay scales up on senior leadership, what if we ran the pay scales up on the worker bees? Or what would it look like instead of raising prices so that we can keep feeding the machine and the profits and the pay scales, what if we just held prices so that the rest of the world could afford what we make? And so despite this sort of self-centeredness, this conditioning that society teaches us about me first, there are religious leaders and activists and reformers who call society to look outward. I mean, it's a message that's as old as the gospel, isn't it? This idea to serve others. I mean, why else would that be central to Jesus' ministry? Think about everything that he did. It was central to his teaching to serve others. As he says in today's text, we are called to die to ourselves in order to gain life. So why should we serve? I mean, we could say simply, well, we need to do it out of a duty or an obligation or some sort of an imperative. I mean, think about when you pass the hat for a collection at Christmas time for a needy family at work. Who doesn't chip in? It's a duty, an obligation. Or maybe we could say, you know, Jesus said go and do, so therefore we should just up and do it. My question to that is, if that's our motivation for serving is because Jesus said that, What do we do about the other things that Jesus said? Do we do those as rigorously too? Just a question. Another sermon for another day. Or what about this idea of a social contract? Maybe we serve because there's this unspoken contract. I think of things like uh, Amazon. Like if Amazon delivers to my house and it's supposed to come Monday morning and I get a notice right before I walk into worship that says Amazon's going to deliver a package to your house at 9 o'clock, and it's a package that I don't want the dreaded porch pirates to pilfer, what am I going to do? I might text one of you and say, will you stop by my house and drag in my package? You'll gladly do it. Why? Because it's going to happen to you one day too. You're going to go into your most important meeting at work, and you're going to find out the package is there, and you're going to text me to go and get it. So our motivation to serve is if I take care of you, you'll take care of me, and guess what? Then we're taken care of. Yay. Or maybe we serve because it brings satisfaction. Maybe when we do something for others, it releases endorphins in our minds and makes us feel good about ourselves. I think about the first time that I was on a church mission trip and still trying to put together this idea of faith in action. So we're taking all of this stuff on the whiteboard and putting it into practice. And we put a roof on a house for a young couple that was just a little bit older than me. And so we put this roof on the house. And I remember thinking at the end of the week, I mean, they were like five years older than I am, and we did something good. I helped them have a warmer, safer, drier house. That's good. I'm not dismissing that. But there should be more to us than serving than some obligation or a contract or satisfaction. As a matter of fact, there should be a deeper purpose to it. I think we find it in this idea of theology. We find in the teachings of Jesus, there's a theological foundation. It's a Latin word called vocare, meaning a calling, to call. See, this calling to serve is fundamental to the gospel. I mean, when Jesus called the first disciples, 
He didn't say, hey, look, I know you're fishermen and tax collectors, but I want you to get a new job. I want you to be my disciples. I want you to be my minions. I want you to be my professional students, and I'll just pontificate for a while. No, he was calling them to completely change their lives, to change their whole way of being, to adopt a whole new lifestyle. They didn't cease who they were. They were still tax collectors and fishermen, but they were now disciples, fully devoted followers of the teachings and the practices of Jesus. So we hear this in verse 24, if anyone wishes to follow me, then they need to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. What he's talking about here is dying to self and adopting a new lifestyle. It's what Frederick Buechner talks about. He says, God's call to service and ministry, and by the way, when Buechner's talking about ministry, he's not talking about ordained folks like Susanna and myself. He's talking about all of us. Because what we know about being in the church, being in the body of Christ, is that we are all part of the priesthood of all believers, meaning that we all have ministry to do. So Buechner says, God's call to service and ministry is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Think about that. Our call to ministry and service is where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So calling to serve is not about checking off service hours on what's required for school or merit badges for scouts or the community engagement scores of the corporation. No, it's about something much deeper than that. This call to serve is gospel. It's good news. It's an outward expression of the faith that we have received, of God's love that has been poured out for us and over us and that we have taken in. This call to serve is about us going out and showing the world what that means. That's why we serve. But just as we wrestle with this idea of why we serve, maybe we also wrestle with why it's us. Not about you, but I'm going to let you sort of walk in the mind of Glenn for a minute. Every once in a while, I stand and look at myself in the mirror as I'm getting ready in the morning, and I go, just who are you? I mean, with everything the world is facing, why do you think you can make a difference? Maybe you have the same conversation with yourself, like, am I really making a difference? And let's be honest, when we have that conversation, sometimes it seems discouraging. But wait. Since we know that we are called to serve, and we're called to serve where our gladness and the world's deep hunger meet, then we've got to remember that in that, that we belong to each other. That's the joy of being a congregation. So when we just baptized Bo and we welcomed him into our family, what we said is, Bo, you are now our new brother. You are now a part of our family. We are your brothers and sisters. We belong to each other. And remember, Jesus taught us, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be great among you must be servant of all. Now think about that for a minute. There's about 400-ish of you here today. Whoever of you wants to be the greatest in the room has got to be servant of all of us. And so if we want to be great, we've got to serve. I mean, think about it. That's how Jesus lived. Fully human, fully divine, walks on water, turns uh, water into wine, takes loaves, a few loaves and a few fish, and feeds 5,000 plus people. 
And what did he do? He served the world. He washed feet. He ate with sinners. He healed the sick. Gave hope to the hopeless. So if we want to reflect that ministry in some way, then we've got to realize that we've got to be a part of making a change in the world around us. Think about how we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We boldly pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're really saying in there is, God, we want your way to rule, and we don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the solution. We're begging God to put us in the game. We're begging God to send us out on the mission field. I think about the mission fields around us. I mean, if we want to change the world, what does it look like? It looks simply like this. When you change the world of a child, you change the world. I read that somewhere. It's a great bumper sticker. When you change the world of a child, you change the world. And I think about this. There's a literalness to this, but there's a deep theological meaning behind it. When you change the world of a child, you change the world. So we ask ourselves, who am I in the face of poverty or housing or addiction or gun violence or discrimination or the environment or abuse or war or the health crisis? Who am I to make a change? How can I change the world? I'm just one person. Ah, but yes, we are just one person. But if we can change the world for one of God's children, then we are changing the world. And at that moment in time, we begin to realize that we are the helpers that the world desperately needs. So if we know why we serve and love others, we know that it must be us, then how do we go from the man or the woman in the mirror knowing that this is what we're supposed to do and and we're supposed to do this How do we do this on a regular basis? How does it become a part of our everyday lives, everything that we do when we wake up, when we walk out the door? How do we sort of start to look and realize that we can be change makers, that we can be servants of all? Well, friends, it starts like everything else in our faith journey. It's about training our heart toward an outward focus. It's about training our heart so that we are an outward expression of discipleship, an outward expression of God's love and grace. I think about what we read in the Bible where it says, faith without works is dead. What we're talking about is we can do all the Bible study and we can do all the prayer and we can do all the worship we want to do and that strengthens us and makes us who we are. But if we don't go out in the world and share that love with the world around us, then we are not reaching our full potential. We are not being the kingdom people that God has called us to be. John Wesley talked about this from the idea of works of piety. That's all that stuff that builds our relationship with God and then works of mercy where we take that goodness of that relationship and we shower the world with it. So how can we go about doing that? Several easy steps. The first is just say yes. If you look at the bulletin, there are service opportunities, mission opportunities in the bulletin. Just say yes. Don't ask us to beg. Don't ask your neighbor to come look for you, but start looking for them. And when you, someone says, would you help me? Would you do this? If you get a phone call from a committee or a group of the church that says, we need some people to do this, would you do it? Just say yes. 
The second one is just simply be on the lookout. There are service opportunities. There are places to serve and be in ministry to the world right outside the door of this place, right outside the door of your homes. So while you're saying yes and while you're on the lookout for these things, when you have those interactions, when you are that helper, when you come back from that experience, that opportunity, reflect upon it and ask yourself, where did I see God working through me in this interaction? And I know it's scary. Some of the things, some of the opportunities that are in the bulletin are right outside the door. You're like, oh, I don't know that I can do that. That seems really way out of my comfort zone. But that's the opportunity to grow, right? Let's stretch ourselves. Let's say yes. And then let's remember why we're doing this. Because our passion, our love for God interacts and intersects with the world's greatest need. That's how we train our hearts to do that, is to keep that at the forefront of our mind each and every day, that our love for God intersects with the world's greatest need. And when we begin to do this, it compels us. It compels us to take risks and to love and to serve others no matter what. So here's my challenge for us today. As we leave worship and as we go about our business today and tomorrow and the week to come, I challenge you to look for the helpers. They are everywhere. For some of them, like cashiers at the grocery store, they get paid to do that. But look more closely. Look past those that get paid and see those that are just helping. But better yet, better yet, be one of them. Be a servant of Christ. Be a doer of God's word. Be a helper yourself. Serve because Christ would. Serve because Christ calls us to. Serving because you want to change the world one person at a time. Serving because treating everyone the way Christ would treat them is what makes the world a better place. Serve with persistent hope that you are making a change in the world around us. Serve by inviting others to serve alongside you. And finally this, serve because the love of God has been poured out over you and you can't hold it in any longer. You want to share it with the world. Go forth in peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast for Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you will consider joining us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. Blessings. Blessings.